August 26th, 2022. This is the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, and tonight, SmackDown, AEW Rampage. It's me. It's Alfred. No names on screen. No labels. Wow, no labels. We're going to go edgy today. Minimalist. Yes. If you're just tuning in and you don't know who we are and you didn't hear, hear me introduce us, you have no clue. It's a mystery. We could spout the hottest takes and they're not even attributable to us. I like that. Then you can't go on there and Google. You have to just take us for what we stand on and not go in with any type of bias. Those of you who are coming here watching us for the first time. Yeah. Mystery. Uh, before we dive into everything, what's going on in the news? If you need to Google me, type in uh, my name, Idris Elba. Anybody who need to Google me, who I really am. But in the news today is, uh, here, it's a good news, bad news situation, Glenn. The good news is AEW actually really did dominate a lot of headlines this week. The bad news is they're mostly negative and stemming from backstage drama that is going on throughout AEW in their locker room like a plague. First of all, Tony Khan, Wednesday before Dynamite, held a mandatory talent meeting. It was said to have gone fairly well. He reiterated the lines of communications, discussed apparently that he's not going to be a pushover, and he was really trying to open the lines of communication so that these backstage issues, which we will get into throughout these news stories, do not persist. Uh, the meeting was said to have gone well, but some people were said to have come out of that meeting unhappy. There were talent expressing frustrations about a lack of TV time and bigger issues. The elephants in the room, like CM Punk versus Hangman Page and that shoot situation were not addressed. So still a little bit of tension in that locker room. And it looks like Tony Khan has his hands full right now with AEW talent now that the honeymoon period is over. I mean, maybe some of this is preemptive, but it is a little weird to have a meeting or to have to have a meeting and be like, as long as I'm alive, there'll be another, never be another wrestling monopoly in this business. I mean, it's, it's reassurances, <laughs> but it's like, how shook are they now that triple H is in charge of WWE? It's very weird, right? You wouldn't a month ago, if we'd said this was going to happen, like this was reactionary. This was not proactive. Yeah, and a lot of it does seem to be building. It was kind of a perfect storm. I feel like when AEW first opened its doors, there was so much hope. They were the little engine that could. People were more than pleasantly surprised that they had taken it to WWE and beat them in head-to-head -head competition. You had the Wednesday Night Wars, the Friday Night Wars, all good for AEW when they were building. But now we're in this phase where here come all these ex-WWE people, and the AEW locker room is probably starting to get a little political in terms of being a day one AEW talent. And another thing I think is a problem with AEW, because I've noticed a pattern, and I hope you guys do too, is a lot of these angles that they're doing are now kind of degenerating into backstage feuds. For example, our next news story is about Eddie Kingston and Sammy Guevara, who have had backstage issues. Eddie Kingston was actually privately suspended by AEW. He came out today on Twitter and acknowledged that. He said, uh, first, it was funny that he said that, uh, F it, then after this, I'm chilling, but leave Sammy alone in the court of law. He's the victim. Let it go and leave the kid alone. Damn. For real. Done with this. Done with this. But then he followed up and he said, last thing I will say about my suspension, I was wrong. I was in the wrong for touching another man's face. Let it go. That stems from reports that uh, Sammy Guevara and uh, Eddie Kingston got into a little bit of a physical altercation when Kingston reportedly pie-faced Guevara as the two were arguing, apparently stemming from a promo on AEW Rampage, I believe it was, where Guevara made light of Eddie Kingston's physique. That kind of started a wave of issues that 
resulted in a backstage brawl between Guevara and Kingston, but it looks like Kingston wants to move past this Glenn. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, Starly Gleekwell saying it's because Danhausen has cursed AEW. Oh, that could. Hey, listen, people aren't looking into that. I would look into that as a possible symptom of AEW's backstage drama. I mean, it's this is where it gets a little tough, right? Because if you went through NXT and you came up in a more organized locker room where there's a hierarchy, right? And you're in training, you can get cut. Probably a different vibe and a different code of uh, honor, to borrow a phrase, uh, than there is if you came up on the indies and there's a lot of he said, she said, a lot of shit talking, a lot of like, I don't like this guy who watched what I'm going to do out there tonight. Like, it's a little more punk, uh, punk rock, not CM Punk, but at the same time, um, yeah, I think uh, they're going through some very real growing pains, kind of transitioning that indie mindset to a professional wrestling company. Yes, it's a lot of bad things happening at the same time in terms of momentum, where they're kind of feeling the pressure of WWE, which is already number one, but now they've got the momentum of the hardcore fan. I think a lot of fans, on average, are more interested in what WWE is doing right now. The fact that they're under new leadership is probably kind of threatening to AEW, especially with that leadership being Triple H, who has an axe to grind against AEW. WWE is reportedly calling their talent to where AEW felt the need to send a tampering letter, which is hilarious uh, because AEW has been accused and kind of outright outed for tampering with different contracts. Both the companies are doing it, but it just seems to be getting very tense. And the common thread I keep seeing, this is another angle, Eddie Kingston versus Sammy Guevara, where just like CM Punk versus Hangman, it's these work shoot type storylines they're doing. I really think they need to get away from that type of work shoot mentality because it's not that hard for these to then become reality. It looks like this comment about fat shaming, Eddie Kingston seems to be sensitive about that. That's something that they did in the CM Punk feud, something they did in the Jericho feud. And now uh, the problem is, I think after you hear something like that, then these wrestlers go on social media sometimes and they see real people actually saying, yeah, he is a fat piece of whatever. And Eddie Kingston has been going after people for doing that on Twitter. So I do think that maybe these close-to-home, reality-based storylines, AEW needs to start to cool it with some of these wrestlers. It's tough. Uh, I mean, I get it, but at the same time, like, this is professional wrestling. I understand there could be truth sometimes behind these promos, but, you know, Kingston had a good point, is that you never want to completely bury the guy you're facing. I think WWE like does obnoxiously the other end where it's always like i hate you and i can't wait to beat you and i hate you so much because you've done this and this and this and this and this but you're a terrible person but who's accomplished so much and you know when we have that match people are going to see that i'm going to defeat like it's it's obnoxious like i get it you're trying to put the guy over there's got to be a good balance though but at the same time like i mean you never see somebody after a roast battle Who's just like, oh man, that one line really crossed a line and really hurt my feelings, man. You know, it's like I've seen it a couple of times, but on average, right? you don't usually see it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, you don't hear that at the Comedy Central roasts or things like right. that. You don't hear it's like, oh, so and so. Except Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase was mortified to find out what an asshole people think him to be. Like apparently, that roast was like a life changing experience that gave him issues and caused him to not change any of his behavior. But that was a wake up call. For Chevy Chase. Yeah, uh, but aside from that, yes, but, but people tend to have a good sense of humor about these things. Yeah, no, they do. And I, I'm just saying, though, it is different when you're presenting it for wrestling audience and you're using it as a point to mock them because there are so 
many situations and examples of life imitating art in pro wrestling where we're going to do something reality based. Hey, let's have Edge and Lita get together and do this storyline relationship, you know, and then life imitates art. Like there's countless examples of this. And it's now seeming to happen too many times at a time in AEW, there's already a lot of egos in that wrestling locker room. And then you're going to have these storylines, which we're going to get into another one that are a little bit too close to home and they lead to real life resentment. This is happening again with Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. Now Thunder Rosa kind of stepped into it this past week on AEW Dynamite. She came out and very shockingly said she will not be able to defend the AEW Women's World Championship. She's going to need to step down, although there will be an interim champion crowned. Thunder Rosa currently battling a back injury, saying she has discs in her backs that are uh, injured. But a lot of people were crying foul. A lot of people were comparing this to Shawn Michaels saying he lost his smile. There is uh, been reports of backstage animosity between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa and the idea was that Thunder Rosa was reportedly supposed to lose the women's championship to Tony Storm. And now uh, people are looking at this timing and saying that Thunder Rosa might be just trying to get out of this match. Uh, what do you think about this whole situation that is developing, Glenn? This has been a tough title run. I mean, I don't think they've ever really given her a fair run uh, with this. And it's very frustrating. It's someone as a, as a fan of hers, it's very, very frustrating to see the title, to see her be booked this way and the title be booked this way. Very frustrating. Yeah. And she actually came out in defense of these rumors in saying, I'm not in the best physically right now, but I'm not going to lie. She said to busted open radio. She said, unfortunately, I'm going to be out of commission. I don't know for how long yet, for a couple of months, probably. I have a problem with my back. And she dismissed a lot of these reports as dirt sheet rumors. I'll say this. I believe that Thunder Rosa is her. She's had to dismiss, quote unquote, rumors about her injury for weeks, if not months now. She seemed to be hurt. There was that situation of sandbagging between her and Marina Shafir, something that, again, they hmm. decided to make a storyline out of it, even though the term sandbagging is an insider term about wrestling's cooperator with each other. Wrestlers cooperating with one another in a scripted move, but they're making that part of a storyline. And Britt and Thunder Rosa do not get along, I can tell you that. And uh, it looks like this is kind of creating some of this drama that now is leading to such bad ill will toward Thunder Rosa. There was a promo by Britt Baker on AEW Dynamite where she hmm. made mention of being able to defend the title throughout her run with a broken wrist. And uh, that was a little spicy, a little shot toward Thunder Rosa in this whole situation. But I, I do believe Thunder Rosa when she says she's hurt. Absolutely. No, I do, do as well. She, do you I'm think sorry? she's too hurt to defend that title is a question. I mean, look, I think she could be in perfect health, and I don't think they're going to book her with very much TV time. I mean, how much TV time has she had since she's been champion, right? Not it's like, yeah, um, it's it's Jade gets more TV time than Thunder does with what's supposed to be a secondary title. So... It's uh, it's tough, but you know, back, I'm thinking about this Eddie Kingston thing still like, okay. So Sammy called you fat, whatever. It's not like you were Otis who created like, let's have him keep a ham sandwich inside his money in the bank briefcase. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's one thing to have a wrestler who is your opponent, who you were in a feud with, try and build heat with you by saying negative things about you. It is another to have creative booking you like a caricature. Well, that is true. And I will say that it's, it's easy, you know, it's hard to dismiss comments like this, you know, on behalf of somebody because sure, sure. you never know how they're going to take it, obviously. 
but I will say that might be the problem. I think the problem with AEW is a creativity problem. I think it's yeah. lazy to do these reality-based, oh, look, he's a fat guy. Let's do an angle about him being fat. It'll start to get repetitive because we've seen this angle play out in terms of CM Punk saying that Eddie Kingston wasn't in shape. So that is part of his character and something that will probably be brought up. But AEW has creative writers so that they can write. You need to write storylines, maybe create characters they can connect to better so that when they are taking shots at each other, it's as a character and it's not necessarily as themselves because this formula seems to be leading to a lot of backstage problems that are stemming from a lot of things happening on camera. And I don't think that it's a coincidence that it's now happening pretty much throughout their entire pay-per-view card. And if, if it concerns you that much you need to pull a B-Rabbit from the final battle rap of 8 Mile yeah, and call out all the things your opponent's going to throw at you. Oh, yeah. That's Just the key. Just yourself. What would CM Punk's be? Yes. <laughs> I do have a bunch of stripper tattoos on my arm. <laughs> I have started a bunch of horrible movies. <laughs> hey, Stars is good. I hear he's good in Stars. No, Heels. Yeah, heels. heels on Stars. Yes. Like I, I did crap in the ring once. That did happen. Yeah, Z packs. They'll, they'll get you. You can run uh, a lot of things with Z back. Z packs. Oh yeah, yeah. But but that's the thing. So that's my point, Eddie. I understand as someone who's who's been uh, body shamed for much of my life. I get the sensitivity. But if I'm in a feud with somebody as my opponent, I've got a pretty good idea of the things they're going to call out. Sure. Like absolutely. You know, just take your own insecurities and assume those are at least in the top five most obvious things. That people are right. But why does it have to be obvious? Why does it have I know. to be cheap heat? They can create something. They can create a storyline reason as to why they're feuding with one another. Yes. Why, why does he go deep on it and be like, Eddie, Eddie, I know all the time you get invited to things and you RSVP, yes. And then at the last minute you decide not to go when you knew all along, you were probably <laughs> not going to attend. Absolutely. Like, let's go deep. Let's go deep with the roast. Let's do it. Let's Eddie, go back to Eddie you think about buying things all the time and you procrastinate, you hem and you haul. And then when you go to buy it, the price has been jacked up and you feel like a sucker. Hey man, I'm already, where do I pay for this pay-per-view? Yeah. Let's, I'm saying let's, let's get deep yeah. with it. You know, you we'll know, on the home shopping network. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Antoine fair, $5 super chat. Why isn't Jade the women's champ? I said the TBS champ that's never defended. Just saying, sorry. No, I mean, I was thinking that part of me was like, I could, but it, you can't have Jade hold both titles because that just means if if Jade held both titles right now, AEW's merging those titles, and it's bad for the women's division if that happens. Yeah, um, I I wouldn't be opposed to the idea right now just because Jade and Britt are their only stars, but it speaks to how poorly I think this division is booked. I think it has so much talent, so much potential, but it's not booked very well. Only two women in the entire division come off as real stars to the viewers of AEW Dynamite and the women's segments are poorly rated. And I do think it is a result of the lack of effort that is being put in the women's division. And if there was more effort, they did what they did with Britt Baker and Jay Cargo with more women on that roster. I think it would be much more exciting in terms of who could challenge Jade, who can challenge Britt, but Jade versus Britt is really their only money match in terms of women right now. Yeah. It's, you know, not since, a, not, uh, not since nineties fighting games, have I seen such minor female representation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody got Chun-Li. And then years later, you got Cammy. Yeah. And uh, that was exciting. But yeah. or there was two. So they could fight each other. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> Been playing a lot of Darkstalkers the past uh, week oh, or two. Top exactly. three. 
Capcom game. So that's the one with all the like monsters and yes. yeah. Uh, I mean, I think Street Fighter obviously best Capcom fighting series of all time. Of and I'm gonna say the Marvel, the Marvel ones, It'd be number two. Just my love of the Marvel characters, but Darkstalkers, like all the the sequels, solid games. Very love X Men versus Street Fighter too. That's X Men Street versus Street Fighter is fantastic. Uh, so what else is in the news? Well, leading into SmackDown, our last news story is potential NXT call-ups. Of course, if you watch NXT this past week, you saw Legato Del Fantasma looks like they're on their way to the main roster. But also, according to PW Insider, Solo Sokoa and Indy Hartwell are two other names being considered. Of course, Solo Sokoa has connection to the bloodline and his cousin Roman Reigns and the Usos. And then Indy Hartwell has connection to Dexter Loomis, which was brought up this past week where he was apprehended by police, but they gave him time to say goodbye to his love. Very, very nice policeman there down in, I believe it was Canada. It was probably the policeman from Canada because only Canadian police would be nice enough to be like, all right, you can say bye to your girlfriend. Then it's off to jail, you go. The Mounties are very polite. Yes. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the next round of call-ups. I think it's uh, going to be exciting. Um, we got to get past Clash in the Castle and Worlds Collide, though. Basically... I think the next two weeks, well, they're taping SmackDown tonight for next week. Uh, and um, yeah, let's let's make it through two weeks. It won't be good. Brian Ray's calling out the truth. Felicia is the best character in Darkstalkers. Oh, wow. I got to get into Darkstalkers. We're already getting into takes. Felicia yeah. sounds like my type of character. Uh, she's a cat. Oh. Like a sexy cat woman. Like, yeah. yeah I'm a like, dog. You get it. Uh, no, but uh, like not the best special moves, like not the best moveset, but she's the coolest looking character. And I'm sure as you can imagine, Alfred, there is ample cosplay. And they use oh, ample yeah. in uh, multiple <laughs> multiple meanings. Uh, Sean Wiley, $10 super chat. David Zaslav is the devil son of Lucifer. I well, <laughs> Zaslav is the Warner Brothers Discovery. Oh, that's right. Tied to a lot of this back and forth between AEW and Warner Brothers. Yes, that's right. Killed Batgirl. Literally. Yes, he did with his bare hands. I seen it. That's still fucked up. Yeah, a lot of people upset that uh, Batgirl is not going to be coming out, but Warner Brothers Discovery making a lot of budget cuts. I believe they're up past three billion. Did you watch uh, the rehearsal yet? That got renewed. Oh, okay, that's good. It did. How many episodes? Three. I have not watched it yet. I six episodes. Six episodes. I want to watch them all at the same time in one sitting. So I, I need to carve out some time. But I, I promise you, I will. Absolutely insane. We watched that last weekend. We watched Orphan First Kill. Good times. Good times overall. Uh, watched a movie last night called The Pool, a movie from Thailand about a dude that gets trapped in a pool and a crocodile gets in the pool. And there's no ladder out of the pool, so we've got to figure out how to get out of the pool. Very <laughs> so tense. it's just shot in one location, like in somebody's apartment? Yeah. He's, well, it's a big pool. It's like a big diving pool. Okay. Yeah, and he's in there, and a crocodile, like a rainstorm a crocodile gets in there. The pool is drained, so he can't, he can't get out of the pool. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot of money uh, shooting that. And it's like Very buried with Ryan, was it Ryan Gosling who was Ryan just buried Reynolds. in the casket? Reynolds, Reynolds that's who it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, AW women need a damn direction. Too many heels, direction spoils. Yes. Zane Owens, next WWE tag team champions. You know, that's, you might be onto something because this love affair. With Sammy and Roman Reigns has to end. And I could see, I don't know that they'll be champions, but I could absolutely see Sammy and KO in a feud against the Usos after they boot Sammy out of the bloodline. 
I would much rather see Zayn and Reigns as tag team champions. Well, yeah, I, I love too, them but... together. I think uh, their chemistry is off the charts. And it'd be very fun to have another one of those tag teams in the ilk of Goldust and Booker T. And even the chemistry of The Rock and Hurricane is what this reminds me of. I get that Zayn and Owens are best friends, and this is going to be a very interesting thread, very similar to Paul Heyman choosing between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. Now Zayn is going to be in the middle, and I think that's going to make this even better because the last time Owens went up against Reigns, it was just a steamroll. Nobody gave Owens a chance. And if this is a storyline they go into, assuming Roman Reigns retains, which is not guaranteed, uh, but if there's a feud either way between Reigns and Owens, I would like Sami Zayn to definitely be involved. Uh, and then lastly, Bianca or Jade better in Hollywood? Um, Both. All of the above. Wow. Bianca and Jade will be better in Hollywood. They will one day be known as Hollywood Oscar winners who used to wrestle. Something of that ilk. I think whatever they can get out of Bianca and Jade right now, you you don't hold off. Don't wait too long to do Britt Baker versus Jade Cargill. Don't wait too long to do anything they're planning on doing with Bianca and Jade. Because Bianca Belair just signed with William Morris, which is... I believe the biggest agency in the Correct. world. And that is going to be some, uh, some serious roles that she's going to get signed under uh, William Morris and working with Nick Khan and WWE. Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting to see what happens. Uh, anything else in the news? Nope. Nothing else in the news. Okay. Let's move on. Smackdown. You excited about Smackdown tonight, Alfred? I was okay. I, I It did get me excited at some points, but I was not excited <laughs> going in. But some points they titillated my juices, and then other I was just dry. Just I feel you. Uh, Ricochet versus Happy Corbin. How was this for an opening to the show? It was fine, but this is kind of starting to feel like the old era with now we're doing another rematch between Ricochet and happy Corbin, except this time around, Ricochet seems to be getting more and more wins. So it looks like Ricochet is somebody who, at least on SmackDown, they intend to give a push to, and I'm all for it. Yeah, I like Ricochet getting a win, um, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like with Corbin, <sighs> Corbin was so good when he was broke. I know I keep coming back to that, but it's just been tough, right? Because it's like, think about everybody's most iconic run in wrestling. And then think about what they did after that. And very few people had like back-to-back -back great character shifts. And I just feel that with Corbin, he, I feel like Madcap brought him down a bit. Yeah, I think the Madcap thing definitely helped that thing peak. I did think he was great as a homeless person, but I think Corbin has homeless. Been he was very, very economically. Challenge. Yes, but he was on the verge of homelessness, and I might have seen him sleeping on a bench in Vegas for SummerSlam. I may or may not have seen that, but uh, I, I believe Happy Corbin, the happy part of this storyline, has just kind of gotten into this crazy town territory where it's funny. They call him Happy Corbin. He's not really a happy guy. There's really no reason for it if you're just watching with the naked eye why they're calling him Happy Corbin. He's wrestling in street clothes again, and this whole thing needs just to go away. I don't want him to even go back to being broke. He just needs to be Baron Corbin again and find a new direction. Oh, I thought you meant it got into crazy town, like, like the band crazy town. Like I was once really popular 22 years ago. People love that butterfly song. Now we rarely get booked. And when we do, it's just play butterfly. And we're like, we got other songs. And they're like, we don't care. Those poor guys. That is such a curse to have such Sh a smash hit. Nobody wants to hear anything else. Shifty shell shock. I believe was his name. <laughs> 
No, but I was talking about Crazy Town, like bad improv. Hmm. I understand. What do you think Shifty Shell Shock is up to? I think he's watching this podcast. I really hope oh, he maybe. does. I'm going to manifest that. I wonder if he's still got the eyebrow ring and the spiked hair. Shifty, if you're watching this podcast, uh, hit us up in the chat, please. He had that. He did vocals on that song that British DJ did, that starry-eyed surprise song that was like a minor hit. Oh, really? It was like, yeah, but Shifty like just did like a little kind of like weak rap. I mean, Butterfly is kind of a weak rap. Like Butterfly is not. I mean, no, granted, even LL did I need love. We've all we've all sold out and lost our cred before doing something softer with the hip hop. But uh, yeah, Crazy Town. Yeah, got to expand his audience. And uh, it, the drums made that song. I really don't think it was the lyrics or anything else other than that, uh, the drum beat. I really and the guitar that. sample from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Most yes, people yes. don't know. So, oh, Crazy Town. Uh, after that, oh, Street Profits and Hit Row <sighs> realized they have something in common. <laughs> this might have been the best thing on SmackDown tonight was that moment. Yeah, no, this is this is the greatest part of all of these reactions, interactions. Yeah. The thing they have in common is they all want money. Yeah, how about that? Is that what you thought they were going to say? Yes. Okay. I mean, I, I, I knew what they were doing. I didn't know what the payoff was going to be, but I knew I, I got it. I got where I was going because they weren't going <laughs> to. Now, if they said the most obvious thing that would have been brilliant in a different way, but WWE wasn't going to do that. I know it would have been very funny and almost in an ironic way. Like you wouldn't be expecting WWE to do something like that, but that would be the funnier choice. Next On week, this show. Next week, they should get a bunch of white talents all backstage and say, Hey, I just realized we have something in common and they go, we want money. No, we're all white. <laughs> That's the payoff. I would love that payoff. That would be a good they can't sound too happy about it though but you know what i mean That's once true. you sound especially happy about it it's like ah, i don't know about that one <laughs> um anyhow uh it was nice to see them interact yeah yeah i like that they're trying to get the rub i'll tell you what the hit row has kind of not really hit the ground running per se I think they're now kind of trying to find themselves. Again, it was always going to be a struggle on the main roster, but they went away. They're back now without Swerve, Strickland, and so they're trying to kind of find their footing on SmackDown this time around. Yes. Um, <laughs> you can keep discussing Crazy Town. Glenn. We're all Crazy Town. This entire podcast is going to be Crazy Town. <laughs> I'm going to think about, I'm going to try and remember the name of another Crazy Town song. I think there was a song called Dark Side. It's not very good, but I vaguely remember it existing. Uh, so, um, Carrying Cross and Scarlet appear from the crowd. It was it was a nice promo. How do you think they're using Carrying now? Do you feel like the momentum's kind of dialing back a little bit? Not necessarily. I like that he's on TV every week. He's That's specifically good. calling out Drew McIntyre. He does have direction, which was brought up in an earlier Super Chat. It does seem like he has a direction, and he's going to get Drew McIntyre, whether Drew McIntyre is champion coming out of it or not. What I love that they're doing right now, they're doing this with Reigns and McIntyre. Coming out of this feud between Reigns and McIntyre, McIntyre is going to go off with Karrion Cross. They've been doing a side feud. Reigns is going to go off with Kevin Owens. So we don't know which one's going to be for a title. If it was Reigns and Owens doing this and McIntyre doesn't have anybody calling him out, 
it kind of telegraphs that the title is staying on Reigns. But both guys have somebody else calling them out to where I could see either of these guys going off and doing this for a title. I like that about yeah. Booking. Well, Cross has to be the next feud with Reigns, right? No, I think Cross is going off with Drew McIntyre. Maybe Drew really? McIntyre loses this feud and then Cross. I mean, that'll be tough to lose again to Cross, but maybe over the long haul, Drew McIntyre beats Cross in a feud. But I think they're just reminding you that Karrion Cross is there for when he's ready for Drew McIntyre after September 3rd. Do you think uh, Roman feuds with Sammy after this? I could see that. I don't see that being like a full-blown feud. Yeah, that, that's like two weeks. Feud. It's like a television thing, yeah. And I could see Roman Reigns beating Sami Zayn as part of a buildup toward Kevin Owens. I don't know if you saw, I think it was a fake poster, but a poster did kind of leak out there with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn on the same team of a Survivor oh. Series matchup. That might have something to do with Solo Sokoa coming up to the main roster to where we get the bloodline versus Team Kevin and Team Sami. Uh, I think that would be intriguing. So we had a four-way tag match tonight. Dana Brooke and Tamina versus Shotzi and Zia Lee versus Nikki Ash and or Nikki A.S.H. I always want to say Ash. Nikki A.S.H. And Dewdrop versus Natalia and Sonya Deville. Second chance fatal four-way to advance to the semifinals of the Women's Tag Team Tournament. This match was really fast for a match with four teams in it. Very. And I thought it was going to be elimination rules. And yeah. It just ended pretty abruptly. And it looks like they made the safe choice going back to Natalia because later on they were going to have to work with two younger talents who just got called up in Aaliyah and Raquel Rodriguez. Yeah, and uh, Natalia and Sonya Deville won the match. I, I had high expectations for this. I was actually pretty disappointed. They were short. Yeah, not great. Uh Shotzi and yeah, Shotzi and Zeli, I thought, uh, looked good. Um, they did, especially Shotzi. I thought Shotzi is looked really good coming out of that kind of nightmarish matchup she had at Money in the Bank, where fans got mad and bullied her off Twitter. By the way, Thunder Rosa was bullied off Twitter too. By the way, I left that out of the story. She was off social media for the time being. Stop bullying of people off stuff. Twitter. But Stop yeah, it. it's a very ugly part to the fan base, especially the more hardcore fan base. But I think Shotzi has shown well in recent matches. Um, Master Cannoli, less crazy town and more Bloodhound Gang. Fun fact, uh, I personally, by name, am thanked in both the album with Firewater Burn and the album with the Bad Touch on it. Oh, wow. You personally? Yeah. yeah we My band uh, opened for them a couple times and I booked them like, uh, this was back in the 90s where you could just call people up. And I remember wanting to book them for sure. So I just called the record label and the record label was one dude, Brett. And I would just talk to him on the phone. And then he introduced me to the main vocalist and like, he got him on a call. Like it was very weird just having these phone calls with like this band and this label, just about random stuff. I was like, Oh, when you tour, I should book you guys when you come out here. And then, Oh, Hey, can we open for you? And they were like, okay. Right. Brett. Wow. Yeah, I have any video of this. I would like to see us. Uh, um, there's got to be video of us at bottom of the hill opening for Bloodhound Gang. That's got to be out there. I've got the videotape when we open for Run DMC. I got to find where that is, but I have it somewhere. Nice. Yeah. Um, and I have this video of this weird show we played at the Whiskey A Go Go to like four people, but there was a record label there. Very strange. Very strange. Wow. It'll come out eventually. Uh, uh, and then there's the TV show we did where uh, Dr. Dre and Eminem opened up for us. Open up for you. Well, they went on before us. Well, that's opening. That's technically them opening yeah. for you. Congratulations. They played them. We played the 98 degrees played. 
<laughs> that's online. That's not that hard to find. Um, so the brawling brutes based off of Gunther and Ludwig Kaiser. Oh, good lord! I mean, okay, like this? it was okay, but is Sheamus winning this? I mean, like, I think this match is going to be really good. I don't know who's going to win, and it kind of makes me upset because I'm like. Yeah, I'm kind of upset regardless of who wins this. It makes you upset that you don't know who's going to win? No, it makes me upset regardless of who wins. Like, I don't want to see Gunther lose because that means that that's failed. And then with Sheamus and the Brawling Brutes, like, I don't want them to just be enhancement talent because this is kind of like the enhancement stable at this point. I definitely think there's an in-between because I wouldn't consider Gunther a failure by losing this. I think the fact that he even won the Intercontinental title is him overachieving to a degree, especially when you see where the majority of NXT UK talents are going, unfortunately, with that promotion going under. Uh, And I also think them keeping him undefeated has been really good for him. I think a lot of people are looking forward to these two brutes going head-to-head and just beating the crap out of each other. And I kind of hope and leaning toward Gunther winning because he's – the up-and-comer, he could really use a win like that. I know they're going to push that Sheamus has never won the Intercontinental title out of yeah. everything else he won, but they have plenty of time for that. I don't think it's time for Gunther to lose. Plenty of time for that. How much time was there left for Sheamus to Wait, do that? You see how jacked this guy still is? He'll be wrestling till like 60. He'll how old is Sheamus? The Irish age hard. The Irish age hard. I say that coming from an Irish family. Uh, so, wow, Sheamus is two years younger than me? Sheamus' huh. retirement match will be when he's 60 years old and it will be against a 90 year old Ric Flair uh, in the Nashville fairgrounds are going to run. I'm that telling you, on my, my Irish side of the family, the 60 year olds look 80. Like <laughs> it hits you really hard, dude. Seamus is 44. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been around for a while. He's definitely in his forties. He doesn't look it. And I, I do no, I see him being there for, for a little longer, but I, I think that, it's not the time to beat Gunther. And I think Gunther's going to be massively over with that crowd. But here's what it is. Sheamus is bordering on Dolph Ziggler territory, where it's that, it's kind of like the Jeff Hardy feud. Sheamus is involved in these feuds where it's like, oh, he could win it. No, psych, he lost. Of course he lost. Like, you, you don't want to be, and this, this is going to hurt Butch. This is going to hurt the entire stable if Sheamus takes the L here. Good for Gunther, bad for the Brawling Brutes. I don't know if it'll hurt them. The the Brawling Brutes, it's not like they've been heated up and they're undefeated or anything. I think they mean more now than they have mostly throughout their run, which they've spent having meaningless matches against the New Day. At least there's a title at stake. And I thought this was a very creative way they did this angle and having the Brawling Brutes fight with Ludwig Kaiser and Sheamus and uh, Gunther just standing there like a couple of badasses. And then finally, both their men struggle to their feet. I thought this was a really cool thing that you don't usually see this type of thought and effort go into WWE speaking. It's usually just a throwaway contract signing. And I'd much rather prefer something like this. Okay. Okay. I think it's also overdone too. I, I it was overdone in a cheesy but good way, almost like a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Some of these quotes about dragons' breath and you know all these threats that they were making that they sound like they were reading it from a Dungeons and Dragons novel. Did you ever read any Dungeons and Dragons novels? I have not. Should I? Ah, uh, probably not. Have you? Uh, 
You played Dungeons and Dragons? Never. No, no exposure toward that culture anyway, shape, or form. We can open a book club right here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast if you want. I, all I did as a child, this might surprise you, all I ever played as a child and maybe twice, we played the Marvel superheroes version of Dungeons and Dragons. Really? Like the Marvel version of that. Like rolling the die, creating a hero, doing all that. Did that at, like, at lunch maybe twice in junior high and it was kind of like, eh, this is boring. I'm going to go play video games. Like, see, I didn't know that there were other types of characters oh, yeah. you can incorporate in Dungeons. Dragons. Well, no, no, it's not part of Dungeons and Dragons. They're like they they franchised it. That's what you do. You right, have a system what... that works. Yeah. yeah. So they have that. I mean, they have like Warhammer, uh, which is like a dystopian one. They have like Cyberpunk, that's like a futuristic sort of Blade Runner one. I mean, yeah, there are lots of different. Because they call them pen and paper, pen and paper role playing games. Yeah. Yeah. Get it, get yeah, it. Never really my scene. Cold yeah. board game and dungeons. No, never really my scene. No, because if you have a computer with decent graphics, why do I need my imagination? The fine people at Sega portray this for me. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, dun- a- have you played Dungeons and Dragons on a PC or a video game? No, I'm, so I'm, I liked. Okay, so as a kid. I like the Legend of Zelda. I like the Fantasy Star series. Strangely, God, noticing a theme here. The only online role-playing games that I ever got into were City of Heroes and then DC Universe Online. And it was just such a time suck. Like, I don't know if you ever played an MMO, but it's fun that you're playing with other people, but you're spending hundreds of hours like leveling up your character. And then you like you it becomes work. It's like G why stop playing GTA online? GTA online, your character gets a job and it's actually more work than your real life job. <laughs> like you got to make the drugs you got to pick up the drugs transport the drugs oh somebody can ambush you while you're transporting the drugs employee like, evaluations yeah it's uh i mean practically right like oh i gotta choose a health plan now yeah 401k has got to decide that early somebody's on family leave now i gotta fill in you know it's just too much it's too much okay. i like games you know what i like it's a genre called pick up and play i can pick it up i can play it i can put it down and come back to it later it's like the casual sex of video games. Yes. Very similar. Um, so, man, I could go down a route with that, but I'm not. Uh, so let's talk about what happened next on SmackDown. Ooh. See, Gunther said Seamus is a man to be respected. That's a see, see, Sammy Guevara. That's how you put over your opponent. Yeah, a man to be respected. This was. Like a gentleman's duel of words. I demand satisfaction. Uh, they didn't touch. They didn't touch. It was very intense. I'm yes. telling you, Glenn, you got to go back and watch this. I thought this was a very good segment. I thought it was. I just. It's suspension of disbelief. And I, I don't believe Seamus is winning. If I let myself believe Seamus could win, like I'm going to feel like an idiot when he loses. Why not? You, people are wrong all the time about people winning and losing. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. No, when I go to the movies, Alfred, I have suspension of disbelief. Top Gun Maverick, maybe he's going to fail the mission. I don't know. I think I think it's 50-50 odds. 50-50 odds in any movie. It could go either way, and I truly believe that, and that's why I enjoy the film. In Jaws, I thought they were all going to get eaten by the shark and just left out, Like, and the credits rolled, dead bodies floating in the ocean, the end. I was you know? for Jaws. You know, I'm just saying, like, it's very easy. In the Avengers, Thanos Thanos did win. Yeah. What are those See? movies he did? And in that one, I was like, I was pretty sure the Avengers were going to win this. And no, Thanos 
Okay. I mean, like suspension of disbelief. I have to believe it or else why bother? That is true. And um, th there was a suspension of disbelief problem with this angle in terms of how they were talking to each other. But I think in a good way that made it ironic and a little bit campy. I thought it was campy in a good way, not overdone or terrible acting. I'll watch it again. I'll watch it again. Very good cape, almost adult swim like. Oh wow. High praise. Um love this segment with Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns backstage. I like it's it I'm nervous when I watch this because I'm just waiting for them to beat the shit out of Sammy. Like, yeah. and so like Roman is like so pure towards him that I believe it. You know, I keep wondering like, okay, where's the catch going to come? Where's the catch going to come with this? But I love watching the man. Like, I like that the Usos have lost their patience with Sammy, yeah. but the way Roman's treating him like is phenomenal. It really is. I like that. And that's what's good about this Roman Reigns character is he's been doing this consistently. This is how he got Jimmy Uso into the fold when he came back and he was wearing that nobody's bitch t-shirt is the Roman Reigns character is very consistent as a character who knows how to manipulate people outside of the ring in order to get their loyalty. See, Sami Zayn is being threatened by the Usos and Roman Reigns in character is being very sweet, very nice to Sami Zayn so that he's the only one who Sami feels loyalty towards. And he's doing that because he knows he's about to face his best friend and he needs Sami Zayn's loyalty. Oh, There's oh, yeah. layers to this. And I really like how they're incorporating this. It's very smart. It's very smart. And uh, even when he said, oh, Sammy, last time, you know, you lost. And he's about to get it. Bad things happen. You know, we all have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, this is great. I really love this. I, I have not read a bad thing about Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn, Zayn and Reigns, and I think they need to just every week stretch this out until we get to the Zayn's Owens segments of these. But Zayn and Reigns really need to be on camera together every week. So continuing to uh, the trend of uh, – I just can't believe this tonight. So we had Raquel Rodriguez and Aliyah versus Sonya Deville and Natalya. Semifinals match for the Women's Tag Team Championship. And again, this got like no time tonight. Yes, fairly quick. And they also did the gimmick with Aaliyah being out of commission and Raquel Gonzalez having a one-on-two -on match, which I thought for sure she was going to lose. But no, Raquel Gonzalez pulled off a upset, I would say, beating two women and advancing to this tournament. I really, hopefully, it's not something where, you know, Aaliyah didn't have the best match against Bailey, and Bailey's one of the best wrestlers in the world. And, I don't know if they're down on Aaliyah to where they didn't feel like she should be involved in this match or whatnot, but it was very interesting to see Raquel Gonzalez go one-on-two for the majority of this. No, I agree. Um, Maximum Male Models annoyed at the music coming from Hit Row, and so they spray-painted a bus that was not Hit Row's. Yes, they got their gimmicks mixed up. They got those two characters mixed up. I don't know how that could happen. Because they both Maximum want money, Mal money, money. All people who want money, money, money do look alike. I'll give you that. <laughs> that is that is a fact. Um, we heard from the new day. Oh, jeez, this this feud, <laughs> this feud with the new day and the Viking Raiders. This has been going on for my entirety of my forties. This feud has been going on so long, and it's going nowhere. 
yeah, they keep going back to square one. There isn't really any advancement of this. And a thing I cannot get over with the Viking Raiders is they do look like Vikings. They look the part. They've got badass gear. I really do think that there is an improvement to how they've been presented. But they get on that mic and they sound like State Farm insurance salesmen. It's just like you got these two big Vikings and the music is good. It's got the and then Viking they come out there. And the drums and it's like, hey, man, I would like to sell you on 25% term life insurance. And if you don't do that, we're going to hit you with this shield. And then yeah. it just completely takes me out of it. I'm going to beat you up or, you know, you could save a lot of money if we bundle your life insurance and your home insurance and your car insurance. Talk to me about deals. Work with me here. If something happens to you, if I beat you up and something happens to you, let me ask you this. Are your loved ones? Are they going to be provided for and taken care of? No. That's why you need accidental disability or catastrophic coverage. We need to make that happen. That's a great. I might give me some of this Viking insurance. You put it that way. Viking insurance, man. You know, the Vikings, people don't know this about the Vikings. You know, they were really into Valhalla and the pillaging and uh, uh, putting away a little something just in case the worst case scenario happens. Yeah. I mean, well, they need some insurance. I don't know if this ties into having legal retainers, but for some of the stuff the Vikings were doing, if you could sue a Viking, they, they're going to need some insurance. You know, those funeral pyres, people don't know this. Those funeral piles, like one in 10 catches on like a nearby structure Burns down an entire village. You need insurance for that. One thousand percent. I mean, you need all this. And here's the thing, though: how much would they charge? It would be through the roof in terms of these Viking insurance. The premiums were a little, little outrageous. You know, and the thing about the premiums is, these insurance companies are making a fortune because you know they're just collecting the premiums from anyone. They got to pay out like a couple claims. They're pocketing the difference. They're coming out way ahead, even with the overhead. If I do an insurance deal with a guy carrying around a sword and axe, you're giving me at least a thousand dollars a month. And you know how they save money now is they don't have the offices. They just do it all online because that way they hire less people. You've got agents. They're all just working on commission. They're independent contractors, no benefits. The Vikings got this figured out really, really deep, really, really deep. Maybe that's going to be the end of this independent contractor thing. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, This this bit more interesting than this feud. I agree. I agree. I had a lot of fun with that. I did not have a lot of fun watching this. I thought it was kind of funny and. I do think it was intentional because Xavier Woods is a legitimately funny human where he was just sadly mourning the loss of bootios, their yeah. t-shirts and their unicorn horns. Then he goes, that's our legacy, <laughs> which the new day's legacy reaches far and wide beyond anything they've ever sold on WWE shop. And I think they know that. I know they know that for a fact, but it was just funny to see them put their legacy in such a small box. I mean, it's amazing they've gone so upscale with this. They might have well have just gone backstage and like the Vikings are like playing Xavier's PS5 or something. Like they could have done this more low, low key. But I do appreciate, I think burning the bootios is probably the high point of this feud. Yes, burning the bootios is also very fun to say. It is. It really. Do you have to pause that. Burning the bootios. <laughs> burning the bootios. Well, let's not pause that. You don't have to pause that. Nah, I think it's fine. Thinking you just get a shot for that these days. Uh, so Drew McIntyre versus Sami Zayn, the main event tonight. Main event, Sami Zayn, love to see it. Why? Someone pointed out on Twitter once he has won against AJ Styles with that blue thunder bomb. The blue thunder bomb looks incredible. It looks like he had Drew tonight after the bloodline came out, caused distractions and interference. But no, Sami lost. Drew got beat up after. Love Sami in the main event, but yeah, this was very paint by numbers. 
Yeah, and they were airing those vignettes with Drew McIntyre that I thought they were yeah. very good, but they just come off as reruns because I feel like they've told Drew McIntyre's origin story time and again. We know he was the chosen one. We know he had to go off around the world and on the indies to earn his name back, and WWE brought him back into NXT. We know the story, but again, they're doing a good job building up Drew McIntyre, and after getting ganged up on, the go-home line was Michael Cole saying, nobody can stop the bloodline, so maybe Drew McIntyre will have enforcements. I don't know how they're going to... 3MB. Yeah, there you go. You get uh, Jinder Mahal. That's where he's been. And then Heath Slater get on a bus and come to Florida. Could you imagine if it clashes the castle, that's how they swerve us on this? Because I got to be honest, I got a pretty good idea how this is going. Can't Again, can't suspend disbelief. Wouldn't it be incredible if Drew's like, well, I brought backup. And then Jinder comes out and we're like, okay, that's cool. But then Heath comes out that stadium would explode with enthusiasm. Let me tell you something right now. 3MB was always over in Europe when they would go to the O2 arena, whatnot. It was kind of an irony thing, but they do the something jacks. What is it? The whatever yeah. you call the jacks. And they would come out there and they'd get very over. I do think that if there was a 3MB siding at Clash of the Castle, it'd be one of the biggest pops on the show. Oh, and then I'm going to escalate this further. And then. They're like, okay, but Sami Zayn's X Factor Hornswoggle comes out, takes out Sami Zayn, <laughs> puts him through a mini table. Like this could be incredible. This could steal the pay per view. Oh, I love it. It would be in the main event. Why not? Why not just unleash that? Union Jacks is what they were called. Hmm. Um, I think we're onto something here. I think we can uh, save this. Loved at the end, we got the shot of the bloodline with Sami Zayn, although I still want the shirt. I still, it's gotta be the poor Photoshop mock-up like the one I did. It can't be an actual photo of them all. It's better if Sammy photoshops himself into the bloodline shirt. They need to license the one that you made. I'll, I, I will give it to them for, for a dollar and a free t-shirt. I will sign all rights over to that to WWE. You can make much more than that. Glenn. Let's, uh, let's get you some insurance so that we can <laughs> get some real money off these people. Uh, I, you know, I, I hear what WWE shop pays for actual commissions. It ain't that much. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, now they got the new company that's doing all their merch. Oh, it's a, is it the trading card company? Well, I don't know. I, I think I know what you're talking about. I, that, was, that was probably a Nick Khan move of like, yeah. why are we hiring people for our own merchandising division? Why don't we get someone to pay us for the rights and then they'll sell our merch and we just give them a cut? Because did you ever look at clearance? On the WWE shop, like they have almost, you know, 25% of their overall inventory is items on clearance wrestlers that aren't there anymore. Nick Allen was probably thinking that like we keep giving shirts to these people that we cut the week yeah. later. Let's let some other company assume the financial burden on that one. That's a smart move. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Uh, decent main event. Good ending. Drew won the match, was not standing tall. Highly doubt Drew is winning. At the pay-per-view. Yeah, I don't think Drew is winning at the pay-per-view, but I do think that there's a chance he could, and I have not thought that in a Roman Reigns match pretty really? much this entire run. I okay, think so, so for sure. After two years of Roman being the champion, beating Brock, unifying both titles, and I like Drew McIntyre, but you think Drew McIntyre is going to win. Does Drew even get both titles if he wins? Yes, they have not said, and I, at this point, it's too late to say that. Otherwise, you're kind of spoiling it to say, okay, this is only going to be for one of these titles. But let's not dismiss what Clash of the Castle is. This is one of their biggest shows of all time. This is one of their going to be one of their highest attended shows in years in terms of its 
outpacing WrestleMania in terms of the amount of people who are going to be there. They've sold, I believe, 70,000 tickets okay. for this one show. And I do think that this could be something where they're justified in thinking, do we give Drew that big moment he's been talking about since WrestleMania 22 and he won that in an empty arena and nobody's going to remember that? Is this the time to do that in Europe, in Drew's continental region, if you will, being Scottish? Maybe they feel the need to do some big title change because of such a momentous show they're having. But I do think Roman's going to win, but I only think that. This uh, pay-per-view, this premium live event airs next Saturday starting at 10 a.m. Pacific. I like to sleep in on Saturday. And when I wake up at 2.30 in the afternoon next Saturday, Roman Reigns will still be champion. I could see it. I would. Um, who do you think the crowd's going to be behind? <sighs> I think they're just, I think they're going to be behind everybody because they're going to just be so. I think this could be one of the hottest crowds WWE has played to mm-hmm. in ages. And it's because they've been starved for a pay per view. 20 years. Yeah. But 30 years, right? Since 1992? It's been a long time. On my arcade emulator, I was playing uh, the old wrestling games. And we all know, I mean, the really bad, like 8 bit ones and the early Nintendo ones, but I'd forgotten about the. Midway won, I think it was called WrestleMania. It came out in the early 90s, but it's basically Mortal Kombat, but with WWE. Really? Is is it in a ring? It's in a ring, and it's all video capture, but there's only eight playables, and it's like Doink, Undertaker, oh, HBK, yeah. Diesel. Like, yeah, very limited, but it's all video motion capture. I remember that game there, because uh, there was that one, and I believe there was... No, WWE Raw and Royal Rumble were on Sega, but yeah, that yeah. that game was on Nintendo. Was that wasn't the one with Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan on the cover, was it? No, no. no okay, so because no, no, another... neither of them in the game. Funny thing is, you could pull out a bat. You don't even pick up a bat. You just like hit the shoulder button, and boom, you've got a bat, and you're like HBK beating somebody with the bat. <laughs> like, it's not good. But yeah, be- WrestleMania the arcade game, maybe. Um, kids can learn from. from? Pro wrestling on the NES was really the the peak. Starman, that's where it's at. Uh, yes, Yokozuna was in that, and Lex Luger. Uh, I I installed. I was running an emulator system on my home theater PC, and I was like, you know what? I got this old laptop. I'm just going to make that a dedicated emulation box. Wow, you just did like, that. Well, I'm running a program. I can't remember what it's called. Like there's so there's a couple of programs. There's like Retro Arch, there's Coin Ops, uh, but there's one called um Bat- Batocera, B-A-T-O-C-E-R-A. And you basically get the program, you find online a pack of of uh BIOS files, which is like the system code. You dump them in a folder, then you start downloading games for the different systems and it automatically organizes everything by system and it just magically works. Hook up a controller, boom, I want to play a Nintendo game. I select that. I will play Turbo Graphics. You can even play Xbox, uh, Xbox wow. One on an arcade and stuff like that. So I hook that up and uh, yes, I've been playing all the Darkstalkers games and just going through and uh, playing, playing a lot of old games. Damn, well, none of these gaming companies, <laughs> you say that, they might come for some of those. No, hey, ROMs are legal to download if you own the actual games. Okay. Wink, wink. If you own the actual games. Um, Yeah. I got a PS5 because I wanted to play that game where you play as a stray cat. That game, Stray. 
wife and I were looking forward to that. That's a big game on PS5. Yeah, and it's, it's cool. Like it looks really good. It's in the future. So like a stray cat, you get separated from the other cats. Start playing it. Saw the cat get separated by the other cats, and it hurt its leg. And we're like, "This is really depressing. I want to cry." Jesus. So we turned it off. Like sitting there ignoring our cats playing a game as a cat, and then I was like, "This is bumming us out. We got to stop with this." Yes. Yeah. So I got to find something else that's good to play on the PS5. Let's talk about the rampage. Oh, I yes, thought, rampage. I thought rampage was live tonight. I was actually really looking forward to this. And then it was taped. And I was like, I've heard nobody talk about any of these matches, which is how you know a tape show is going to be uneventful. Yes, but it also means no spoilers. So I guess for Glass Half Full, it's fine. But yeah, nothing really eventful happened. Even when they built up to that CM Punk backstage footage, I mean, if you blinked, you missed that. Like, here's the thing about spoilers. Think about movies. So like I'm hyping up Orphan First Kill. And people are like, oh, you have to see this. Don't read anything about it. Don't spoil yourself. You know, like something cool is going to happen because people want you to be surprised. Like it's kind of a non-spoiler, but a little bit of a spoiler. But if something is taped and you hear nothing about it, that ain't good. Yeah, there's no buzz. There's no buzz. That's the problem. Spoilers in a way, society, someone could do a study of this in the media. Spoilers in a way create buzz. And even people telling you to watch out for spoilers creates buzz. When people don't say shit about anything, it's not that you're not spoiled. It's like you, there, there's nothing worth buzzing about. Right. And you want to create those moments with this show. But to be fair, this is just the B show. Not even to be fair. This is just a harsh reality is that Rampage is the B show. And they really do need to start rebranding that show or creating some kind of momentum to where it's must-see TV. But otherwise, they're doing their tournament matches. And there really wasn't much on this show that you had to go out of your way and see. Yes. Um, I like people talking about retro games in the chat. Everybody loves the retro games. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about tonight. House of Black versus the Dark Order. Weird that they were like, was that, were they putting over the Dark Order or dissing them? Where they're like, the Dark Order used to be like the House of Black, and now I don't know what they're about. Yeah, I think they were trying to put them over. It did sound like they were burying them a little bit, but they were just trying to say how dark and macabre dark order used to be and then when Brody lee came along they were dark but in a very funny way in a very silly way and now they're just almost complete comedy marty mcflyer than you you have the best handle in the chat <laughs> marty mcflyer than you rampage is generation's thunder hey Ooh. man that might have been the best take today too <laughs> he's not wrong because if you look at where it was a, a year ago doing a million viewers for cm punk and Fast forward today, obviously you can't expect it to still do in that neighborhood, but I really did think when Rampage was announced after only watching the first couple of shows where it did seem to be a big deal, I was thinking this could be another show AEW has that does about 700,000 people a week and isn't necessarily the A show, but is a show people need to tune into. You remember the first Rampage they had, it was a world title change where Christian beat yeah. Omega for the Impact world title. They're really setting a tone there, but it hasn't even been close to that. Yeah. Um you know what the problem was? They had too many dark factions in AEW. Yeah, the occult is very strong in AEW. How do you think they were getting those ratings? Deals oh. with Satan? Well, then bring more of those along back because they're going to need to, you know, they did hit a million, which is good, but uh, it's getting harder and harder for them. Yeah. Um, this was a fine match. It's okay. Decent yeah. match. I like the fact they're including 
Hangman Adam Page's allegiance with the Dark Order to clash eventually, presumably, with the Elite. So this is fine. Why did they let Hook talk in this backstage promo? Why did they let him talk ever? I don't think he should talk. I think Taz, his dad, would be the perfect mouthpiece. As I said, in the top five wrestlers who need a mouthpiece on Pro Wrestling Bits, you can watch it right now. But Hook was one of those wrestlers, and I suggested Taz. It's just a match made in heaven. Not only the father-son thing, but Taz can talk better than most people in AEW, and it would be a lot of fun. I could see a father-son mouthpiece team, but you have like the father be like a really condescending blowhard all the time and be like, my yeah. son here, he's a first off, he's a very sensitive boy. Very <laughs> sensitive boy. But growing up, I always knew he was gifted. Genius from a young age. Just, yeah, like have the most blowhardy dad. I'd love manager. it. Get a softball dad in there. I think that'd be good. I think that'd be good. Oh, uh, and uh, Miro was out there, got beat down by the House of Black. Darby and Sting came out and made it safe. But Hook shouldn't be talking. No. I like it. If they're doing the Goldberg type thing with Hook, you know, they really waited a long time until Goldberg spoke. And Hook, I just think, has so much mystique, and they've captured such lightning in a bottle that anything they do to make him appear more human yeah. is not good. In fact, uh, uh, you know, some, sometimes mystery is the most attractive element a person can have. 100%. That's really what the magic trick is in pro wrestling with some people, where you're hiding the weaknesses, accentuating the strengths. Hook isn't going to be known at this moment in his career as a tremendous promo and he doesn't have to be and he doesn't even have to talk look at dexter loomis he was on the nxt roster for years and say a word it's true people like mystery uh make that your mission at applebee's when you're recruiting for the waiting room next oh, how little know. how little can you say we're gonna try to connect with our eyes <laughs> um so Ryan Nemeth against Wardlow for the TNT championship. <laughs> I suspended disbelief, Alfred. I thought this could go either way. On a tape show, I had money riding on Ryan Nemeth to win. You're talking about all that buzz. You want some buzz for the show. You want people to tune in. You have Ryan Nemeth beat Wardlow. <laughs> Those people get that word out. Uh, this was what it was. I thought Ryan Nemeth was funny in this. I, I, he is a yeah. funny person, yes. and he did what he could. He well, did the most I mean, that he could. His, his brother's got the comedy chops in the family. I mean, you know. You think Dolph is funnier than Ryan Nemeth? No. God bless Dolph Ziggler, but I think Ryan is more of a no, Ryan, in terms of his comedy. Ryan on Twitter is very funny, but I've not seen. Does Ryan do stand-up as well? I, I just meant in this character. Oh, yeah. I believe he does stand-up. I haven't seen any of his stand-up. I just mean as a character in terms of how he presents himself. I thought he was very funny and being, you were talking about the blowhard. He was definitely a blowhard in this segment. Yeah. But shocker, Wardlow won this pretty easily. Yes, almost immediately. <laughs> As he should have. This is exactly what Nimitz was out there to do. Wardlow from Cleveland, Ohio, the hometown boy. Yeah, and then Powerhouse Hobbs squashed Ashton Day. Like, I feel like they're trying okay when we say we want to see more happen on rampage i mean like i want more stories and i want some more surprises i don't want you to cram in more of these nothing squash matches yes and we're definitely cramming them in but this was building up a pay-per-view feud between hobbs and starks that i do think has been good especially ricky starks cutting a lot of good promos are finally unleashing him i feel like ricky starks is a russell westbrook of aew i just want to see ricky starks cook it was a very famous movement in seattle that got russell traded to denver let russ cook where he was doing a lot with little opportunities. 
That's how I feel about Ricky Starks. Got to let Ricky Starks cook now, give him more opportunities so that he can win you a Super Bowl, which he will not be doing with the Denver Broncos. The Packers are winning the Super Bowl this year and next. Throughout Aaron Rodgers' the rest of his career were winning Super Bowls. But after that, maybe the Broncos can get one or two. What did you think of Lexi Nair and the baddies and Cargill uh, dismissing? Dismissing her. This was another moment where I started to think that this show felt crammed. Is This was just another segment that they immediately got through with Athena and Jade fighting again in Raw, and they've really stretched this out. It does not feel like they've teased tension between Athena and Jade Cargill, and we're waiting for this feud to blow up like a powder keg. It just feels like they've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and there hasn't been much buildup. We've just known that Athena and Jade Cargill are going to have a match, but there hasn't been too much of a build toward it. Yeah. Um, and Jade dismissed everyone. Yes. She's not really getting along with the baddies or Stokely Hathaway. And she seems very upset with everybody on? around her. What her is going on with Stokely Hathaway? Is Stokely Hathaway cursed? Did Danhausen do something? Because uh, do, do I need to give the recap again? Like signs with NXT. Oh man, just you wait. One of the best mouthpieces in wrestling, one of the best guys on the Indies. Put a mic in front of this guy's in, in this guy's hand, give him an audience, he's money. NXT, barely anything. Oh, now he's in AEW. This is going to be huge. Finally, time to shine. Where is he? What's going on? All he's been doing is handing out his business cards to various random talents, and he's building some sort of team. We don't know what this team is about, but he handed his card to Ethan Page. He handed it to the Ass Boys. This is a long shot, but it's one of those things where I look like a genius if it comes out being right. So my prediction is that Stokely Hathaway is building a team to invade NXT 2.0 on October 18th when they go head-to-head with AEW Live TV. Okay, there you have it. They're going to at least show up outside the building there in Florida and maybe shout with a megaphone, but that's what his team is being built for. So Sammy Guevara and Tay Mello versus Ruby Soho and Ortiz. Lengthy match. What did you think of this? It was fine. I thought Sammy Guevara did a good job as a heel. Ruby Soho was good in this match. Not enough time to really care about this. And this is something that I believe Eddie Kingston would have been involved in had he not been suspended and punished for his actions against Sammy Guevara. But this is okay. Um, so they're having a tournament for this interim championship that Thunder Rosa walked no, away No, they're having a fatal four-way. It's going to be Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, Hikaru Shida, who's returning, and then Tony Storm, who many think is going to win this match. Wow, what what's up with Ruby? How did this get so bungled? I'd be furious if I was Ruby too. Right? Yeah, with all due respect to Shikaru Shida, she's just kind of coming back randomly. Ruby has been on TV and has more continuity and would make more sense as somebody who, if AEW has a rating system, would challenge for this title. Do you think Sammy has more heat now after Eddie Kingston... I do, especially because this is going to translate to people watching at home. And this is now kind of Sammy Guevara developing a little bit of a rap sheet in that (laughs) last time we saw that Sammy Guevara went to Impact Wrestling and had difficulties with the promoter due to creative differences and ended up just going home. And there were whispers about him being difficult. And listen, I think Sammy Guevara is going to be a big, 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 big star in professional wrestling. I think I remember JR said that he was like the second coming of Eddie Guerrero or at least compared him to Eddie Guerrero. And I do think that he's going to have a big career and big time wrestlers have big time egos. That is just a Mm. common thread among all of wrestlers for better or worse. 
And that is something we're starting to see with Sammy Guevara. I'm not going to discourage him. I'm not going to say, don't you do that, Sammy. This, everybody's going to go about the business the way they do. But now we're starting to kind of see that diva-type behavior from Sammy Guevara. And Sammy and Tay won this match. They did. The happy married couple won this match. Doctor asking CM Punk about his ankle. Says it isn't good because this is what it was like when he broke it. This is trash. This is like like the thing that they were trying to get you to watch. We were going to see some backstage footage, (laughs) original backstage footage from CM Punk's loss. Is he going to challenge John Moxley? Is there going to be some type of storyline development? It was literally just a couple of seconds like, ah, my knee hurts or my leg hurts. Kind of feels like last time it hurt. And then we're done. Nothing happened. This not since uh, the alien autopsy or Al Capone's vault has there been this great of a payoff to hype and build up. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about the main event tonight. Best thing of the evening, Claudio Castanoli versus Dustin Rhodes for the ring of honor world championship. <sighs> I mean, in theory, Dustin had a chance pretty strong, pretty strong, uh, instinct. that Claudio was winning this, but I knew it was going to be a great match and it absolutely delivered. It was a fine match. They did have a couple of screw-ups. The pile driver, Dustin Rhodes accidentally hit Claudio in the crotch. This match is about to be all over AEW botches. Shout out to AEW botches. But I love Dustin Rhodes. I think he's severely underrated. I know they did say that nugget about him never winning a world title. And Mm. I would love to see him at least chase. He doesn't have to be AEW world champion. It might be a bit much given the long line of talented guys who feel like they're in line for a shot. But at the very least, Dustin chasing and having an underdog run for the AEW world title, I think would be a great storyline. Yeah, could be. Um, and I liked Regal on commentary for this. Yeah, Regal's, Regal's very good. So was Jim Ross. I thought Jim Ross was good. Yeah. And um, I, I thought this is mostly good match. It just it had a couple of hiccups, pretty big hiccups, but mostly good match. Goldman uh, was very good too, as always. No, it was, it was a fun match. It was a good... This is why I wish it had been live, because it had been live, it would have been like, oh, maybe Dustin, maybe. But I like I would have heard it. If, if Dustin won this match, would have heard about that ahead of time. Right, 100%. Yeah. Uh, this was enjoyable. I think this was good, and I like when they do matchups like this. This is a very good use of former WWE talent. Like, I, like Cesaro versus Goldust would not have felt that would have been like WWE main event, not the main event, but main event, the show or superstars or whatever. Yeah. It would have like, been a world title match. I'll tell you that. Yeah. But this felt really good tonight. This felt like a really, really big match. Yeah. They did a good job with this. I think Cesaro has been doing a good job as ROH world champion, as good of a job as you can do with the fact that it does not have a TV deal. And it's just all of this stuff you have to fit on AEW. It's hard having multiple world champions across the product, but I think they're doing a good job with Cesaro. Jonathan Gresham's got to be sitting home just, you know, throwing his drink against the wall, looking at how well Cesaro's being booked. <laughs> I mean, it's tough. It's a tough scenario to be in. Um, Yeah, the, the Ring of Honor talent that have stayed on post-acquisition, do you think they're happy with the direction the company's gone in since TK? I don't know if there has been a direction, particularly for a ROH talent. I haven't really heard much on the ROH front coming out of their pay-per-view death before dishonor. So I think they're cautiously optimistic at best nervous at worst. 
because mm. I think a lot of people are expecting HBO Max to have some sort of deal with ROH. But with all this uncertainty with Warner Brothers Discovery, this just seems like there's so much up in the air. Oh, hard to be. Yep. You're doing your impression of me during Rampage. No, I'm just kidding. Some of it was really good. I had like three shots of espresso tonight. And you're still yawning? That's a terrible commercial for this espresso. Who are these people? It can only do so much, dude. Like caffeine can only... Like I'm technically awake. Yeah, you look you look very awake. Uh, I don't know. It's the weekend. You know, I was up late last night working on that emulation box. Because when you're using like an old laptop, you know, something you have going around, like everything that can go wrong will. But I got it to work. I was up late doing that. Took some time. <sighs> okay. What do you got going on this week? Did you dream? I was going to ask what you dreamt about uh, when you fell asleep. After oh, I have the weirdest play. dreams all the time. Anyhow, I mean, dreams never make any sense, right? No. The really, I believe they're just your subconscious kind of going on. Yeah. I don't, I don't even remember honestly, a lot of the time. Um, my apnea is gone though. I've lost enough weight. I'm under the tipping point for sleep apnea now where I'm no longer going to bed and then waking up five minutes later, feeling like someone's going to kill me. Like yeah. I, that's how, that's how my apnea used to go. I used to have one incident every night, five to 10 minutes after I fall asleep, where I'd have an intense dream that someone was trying to kill me. And then I would wake up in a panic, look at my heart racing. Cause I couldn't breathe. So, wow. yeah. So, um, and thankfully I didn't have any major episodes the rest of the night, but now, now that I'm down like 30 pounds, like the apnea is, is diminished. I'm not having that happen anymore. Well, that's good. Yeah. It's very nice. Very nice. Uh, it's no joke. Do you remember your dreams? Sometimes, once in a while, a lot of times are just random and abstract. But there are times where I'll have a coherent dream that I wake up from thinking it was real. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's every dream that I wake up from. And it's like, oh, oh what? Where am I? What's going on? Uh, although my favorite, I've shared this on the podcast before, is I have the worst sex dreams because they are like, um, and by, by that I don't mean like, oh, dude, I got the worst sex dreams. No, I mean like I have the worst sex dreams because they're like when you would watch a movie like American Pie that was edited for TV. And they would be like, oh, hey, we're going to have sex. Yeah, let's have sex. And then like smash cut to, hey, that was really good sex we had. Like, <laughs> that's what my sex dreams are like. Like, they start off and then just boom, like, yeah, so that was really cool. What do you want to do now? Like, very I wonder if that's the thing that's impossible because I never get to it. There, it, I have something very similar where even if we get close to it or if it's building up, it never actually happens. I always wake up before it happens. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I've tried falling asleep so I can go in there. Depending on who I'm dreaming about. I was obsessed as a child. Not in this, this is a segue, but it kind of relates. This is a child thinking like, okay, if I watch something right before I go to sleep, or I'm thinking about something when I fall asleep, then I'm going to dream about that thing. So I'm going to be able to control my dreams. That never works. No. That never. It's always some random ass thing from earlier in the day yeah. or some something I watched a week ago that I think about when I sleep. It's very weird. We'll figure it out. One day. One day we'll be able to control our dreams. And it'll be like the movie Dreamscape. Did you ever see Dreamscape as a kid no. with Dennis Wade? In Dreamscape, this was pre-Nightmare on Elm Street. In Dreamscape, it's part of a government program where you can infiltrate somebody's dreams and assassinate them. Wow. It's a pretty cool movie. It's a, it's a pretty cool movie, though. Damn. Like, he's able to, like, travel into people's dreams. Like, this was pre... I mean, actually, now that I think about this, like, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and 4 kind of ripped this off a little mm. bit. Because remember in like three, like Kirsten could pull people into her dreams. Yes. You know, and then four, Alice inherited that. Really, where do, where do you stand on the Nightmare on Elm Streets? 
I think they're good. I, they progressively got worse, but the first couple of them I thought were bangers. It's, I, mean, I don't think they aged particularly poorly either. No, I think they're all pretty good. Freddy's Dead's kind of whack. Uh, New Nightmare, good idea. You could see what Wes Craven did with Scream, like really leaned mm-hmm. heavily on New Nightmare. Nightmare on Street 2 got a bad rap at the time, but now when you look at it and you're like, whoa, this is like the first like male protagonist, male final girl, like been really embraced by like queer uh, culture. Okay. Um, and if you watch it, you go like, oh yeah, that subtext is totally there. I didn't see it before. Um it's cool, but I gotta say, like, I think Nightmare on Elm Street three is even better than the first one. Wow, Dream Warriors, Dream Warriors is an awesome idea. I, awesome. I don't idea. think I've seen, if I've seen three, I don't remember it. In three, they it's teenagers, uh, and they're in an a, they're in like an asylum because they're all they think they're suicidal, but it's Freddy. And they've got behavior issues, but in their dreams, they all have like superpowers. Yeah. yeah watch three and three goes yeah. into four so in four like kincaid and joey and some of the crew from three that make it to four the beginning of four uh but there's nice continuity between one three four and five okay i mean that sounds like a full-time job now yeah but they're good they're good and yeah. not like friday the 13th friday the 13th had a little continuity but not much like Corey feldman's character from four came back in five but then they changed the actor like Whole thing, uh, you know, we rewatched Jason X, we rewatched Jason in space the other night. Uh, and it's like Jason goes to Canada because it's clearly shot in a Vancouver soundstage like Stargate. But I like it, I think Jason X is underrated. Excellent, so uh, yeah. Oh, uh, Nope just came out on digital, gonna probably watch that this week. I saw Nope in theaters, I, I liked it, I didn't love it, but I did like it. Okay. And very interesting stuff they did. The beginning just grabs you right away i think it had such a hot start it was hard to keep that okay okay yeah i liked us quite a bit um i'm curious to see this one yeah twilight zone hear your thoughts about it i I was just very disappointed with that twilight zone reboot that he Mm. oversaw very spotty i only saw the comedian episode i believe kumail was in it yeah that was okay ah okay well we've gone completely off the rails uh this podcast is about wrestling (laughs) for the first hour and then it's wink after dark the last 17 minutes we talk about horror movies dude in a pool and there's a crocodile how is he gonna escape it's crazy checking that out there's that new one that came out so did you see 47 meters down i did not so they're trapped at the bottom of the ocean and they're sharks and they only got so much air, so they got to figure out how to get up because they're trapped 47 meters down. The same uh, producers just came out with a new movie called Fall, where they're tra- they climb up a big radio tower and the ladder falls off. And it's two people trapped on top of radio tower 2,000 feet above. And they got to deal with like buzzards attacking them and stuff. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Solid ideas for movies. Uh, hey, Tina. Good to see you. Uh, thanks for coming out, everyone. Have a great weekend. Uh, we'll be back here next week. And until then, take care. And uh, thank you so much. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.